Hi, this is George Denholm. And this is Dustin Weber. Welcome to the 5 by 2 podcast, where each week we discuss Christian discipleship. We hope that you'll find this podcast interesting and informative, but also challenging as you strive to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For this episode, we're going to be talking with Kyla Rodriguez, who is the Kids Ministry Coordinator here at St. Peter's, as we discuss faith in the home. So Kyla, thank you for taking the time to join us on the podcast today. Can you just get us started off a little bit by just sharing whatever you want to share about yourself to start us off? Well, thank you for having me. That is a very open-ended option for me to introduce myself. Um, I am newer to the St. Peter's community. It's actually, we just hit our one year Indiana St. Peter's birthday. So we moved here over fall break last year, and I'm married to Pastor Adam, and he was installed um, like this time last year. So we've just been like kind of shocked that it's been a year. It's felt like this is kind of home, but also we've only been here a year. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a weird like back and forth now. So um, we moved here last year. We have three kids. My kids are um, six, five, and just turned two. So my older two are in school here at St. Peter's. And then my two-year-old is my kids ministry sidekick. So she kind of she hangs out. You know her. <laughs> she is a favorite among the office staff. Everybody's trying to make her smile and laugh. And she sings a lot, right? She does. She loves a good song. Everything. Her life is a musical. It's a real life little two-year-old musical. When she learns more words, she'll probably narrate her life. I think so. I think so. So, so where did you guys come from before that? We were living in Wisconsin, northern Wisconsin. And that's not where you're either one of you are originally from. Nope. Uh, Pastor Adam was born in Florida, and then his family is in the Alabama area, and then my family is out on the East Coast. So I was born in Maryland, and that's where I grew up mostly. Where in Maryland? Um, I grew up in like the Annapolis, Baltimore areas. Okay. All right. And you two met. Let's go back. We got to always oh, man, ask we're gonna, that question. I love it. Okay. So we met in college. We both went to Concordia in Chicago. We were both in the DCE program. So we actually took all but probably three classes together in college because we had the same major, same last name, and we got started on the same path and started dating. I was like, we'll just do all our classes together. That's logical. Wait, you had the same last name before you were married? Well, the, our last names were both at the end of the alphabet, so okay. we had the same academic advisor. And since we were in the same program, he just like tracked our classes the same to start, and then we just kept them that way. Now, the one thing that, that's interesting, and I've worked with DCEs around the country for years, it's always awkward when two DCs are married because it's <laughs> seldom you can work in the same church, right? You know, we have always had opportunities to work for the most part in similar areas. When we were very first married, um, he we did our internships the year leading up to when we got married. And our we were engaged going into that, so our placement director took that into consideration. So I was put at a church for my internship where they just needed an intern for a year and then I was out of there. He was put at a church where they were going to call him as their DCE. So when we got married, I moved up to a different church in northern Wisconsin <laughs> and I actually worked part-time at his church and then part-time at a couple other churches in a different town. We didn't have kids so we could kind of make that type of thing work. And then the only time we really didn't work at churches together was just while he was in the seminary. Um, vicarage we did I had a position at our vicarage church so it was really just the seminary years where he was in school so I was working somewhere without him but then he w once out of seminary he was a pastor so it was a pastor in a DC which is probably a more compatible 
marriage partnership where you could work at the same church, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, maybe in some ways. It's, it wasn't really an issue before, so it didn't. I guess it just didn't change in some ways. Yeah. Well, well, I just know for those of you that are listening, a DCE is a director of Christian education, and our training is in theology and management of church programs. And so a, a lot of churches, unless they're big enough, it's hard to have enough things for two DCs to do. And so St. Peter's is a bigger congregation. We have several folks on our staff that have that DC certification. Um, but in most churches, it's probably just one mm-hmm. DC with a pastor, one DC with two pastors. Yeah, at our church in Wisconsin, I was the communications director. They actually asked me to be a DCE, but I was only able to work part-time because of the kids. So I said, if you have money for a full-time DC, you should get one of those. So they did that, which was good. And then I I had a part-time position in communications. Well, I'm going to start bridging us to our topic. We're going to talk about your kids a little bit. And, you know, church kids, my kids grew up in the church. And so there's a thing, church kids think that the church is theirs and, you know, they can do what they want to. Your kids are really good at that and and they're not obnoxious. But (laughs) thank you for saying that. (laughs) There's a different question I want to ask. So what what are you saying about your kids, George? I know, my kids, I don't think we're obnoxious, but there have been over the years some that have taken their freedoms a little too strongly and have uh, kind of ruled and done things that were above and beyond, but probably. <laughs> That's a lot of explanation going on. They're trying to tiptoe around some things, I think. Anyhow, your names of your kids are what? Give us the names of your kids. You don't have to like oh. tell <laughs> Tell, tell them which ages are which. Do you, do you want to guess which age goes with which kid? No, you just <laughs> okay. t- tell us the names of your kids. Okay, so Carson is my oldest, and then Madison and Mackenzie. So one of the things that always fascinates me is how did you come up with the names? Carson, uh, it was just the only boy name we liked. I think we Googled it, Pinterest, probably Pinterest, a lot of nameless. We just liked it. His middle name is James, which he shares with Adam and then Adam's dad. All of their names are actually James. So Carson has that for his middle name. And then Madison was our, like if Carson was a girl, we liked the name Madison. So when we found out that she was a girl, we still liked the name Madison. So that was great for us because then come McKenzie, we truly had no other boy names we liked. It was like, could we call this child also Carson if it was a boy and that was obviously not practical but we really just like loved the name Carson and God thankfully gave us two girls so we didn't have to come up with another boy name that we loved. Well you could have spelled Carson differently. <laughs> I right? don't know. I don't know. We didn't have to figure that was out. Was it George Foreman where all of his kids are named George and they have a yes. different middle name? Yeah they are yeah. yeah. And then Mackenzie we just loved it. We had a couple other name ideas that we liked but then when we said Carson, Madison, and other name ideas. None of them sounded good as a as a group. And you say your kids' names all together all the time. So Carson, Madison, and McKenzie was just, it just it felt right. It just felt just right. It felt right. But it, it wasn't because they both started with an M. No, and that was only confusing for probably the first, like, couple of months of McKenzie's life. It was a lot of, like, McKenzie. But now that, you know, we're two years into it, she's she is who she is. We right. don't mix it up. <laughs> but for other folks, that like, when you have two M names like that, you go, now which one's which? Mm-hmm. There, there's been worse examples that I've had to deal with over the years. Like twins that are always difficult for me. If you only see them on a Sunday and you're trying to keep the two twins separately because sure. you want to treat them as individual people. But like, uh, which one are you? <laughs> Anyhow, we, we can definitely tell the difference between your children. They all have a different temperament and personality. And, sure do. And so as, as we move into our topic and we're talking about kids, you know, we mentioned church kids, and sometimes church kids have a notorious reputation 
for being mischievous, rebellious when they get older. You know, I know that you guys want to prevent that. You want children that are well-behaved, children that love Jesus, and children that live out their faith. What are some of the intentional things you've done to help your kids to not become the pastor's kid? (laughs) You know, I have no idea how any of this will play out because our kids are still pretty young. But what we have always tried to focus on and prioritize is making them feel like they can be their whole selves when they're at church. That's super important to us. I don't think we've ever had a conversation where we've had any expectation other than that they are who God has made them to be. And sometimes we have grumpy days and we still come to church. And sometimes we have really great days and we still come to church and there's not like any an option like church is just a part of who we are as people and our lifestyle. So that means that we show up at church in all kinds of states. But I think that's really important because over time what I really hope that that does is I don't want them to ever feel like when they get to church we are expecting them to turn on like a magic church switch. They can come into church and have a day where they just need to sit and be on their own or they can have a day where they feel like talking to 100 people and whichever of those two options is fine as long as they're here and around God's word and his people. But there is also a behavior expectation, not that they're Sure, not that they can like go off the rails or anything. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, they know. They know that they're not they can't just like wander off into the building anywhere. And so like some of the other things that you've done spiritually to nurture your own kids. Are there some examples you have of those kind of things that somebody else is going, oh, their kids are wonderful kids. What what did <laughs> they do right? You know, a lot of times people will ask us about like worship specifically. So we sit up in the front and we have done that the whole time. So Carson will be out seven in December. So we're like seven years almost into this thing. And Adam has only been a pastor for part of that time frame. But ever since having kids, like we have always sat in the front and there's just some like strategy to that, that kids are small and they see better when they are in the fret and they're not like behind a whole bunch of adults. They're not like distracted. There's a lot of stuff that goes on to make a church service happen well, like with um, the usher team and that kind of thing. Um, So when you're in the front, I have always found that helps my kids to actually be able to engage well with what's happening. Now, there's a little vulnerability to that because everybody can see you, um, but they don't know that. They don't know any different because we just kind of decided for them to be able to be a part of this. They need to be a part of it. Um, So I have always worked with them to engage in the service as best as they are able to. And the big shift I had to make as a parent when I started coming to church is that church became an opportunity to serve my family. Pre-kids, I could walk in and it was just about me really and truly in way in a lot of ways. Um, and that's that's okay. That was the season I was in. But once I added kids into there, it would be very frustrating to sit in church and feel like I was supposed to be getting all this stuff out of it and my kids are just a distraction to that. Um, but when I postured myself towards serving my kids during the worship service, I became way less worried about what they were doing and so much more like in tune to what they needed from me during that time frame because they have a lot to learn. It's a lot to learn how to sit in a church service and stand and what's happening and why are they saying that and what are they talking about and what are those gigantic words that they're saying when they're reading and so just anything I can do to help them like clue into rhythms has been beneficial I think. I think that's huge to to make sure that they feel that they're a part of it that you're answering their questions you're making them understand why they're there you know it's amazing to me what kids will pick up when our grandkids sit with us and all of a sudden they'll say some phrase that the pastor just had in their sermon and you know and they've been sitting there coloring or putting stickers on a book and all of a sudden they go what's that word? And then they're actually hearing and it doesn't seem like it. You're making a huge impact when you're sitting there with your kids. I think the other thing you said, it's just what we do. 
and by coming when they're crabby, when they're tired, just showing up and saying, this is what we do, you're telling them it's an important thing. And I've shared before with parents, we make them brush their teeth, we make them go to bed. So making them go to church is just something we do because it's good for us. Yeah, they listen to so much and I never discount like what they pick up on either, right? Like my kids are little, they're not going to be able to tell me the whole sermon that was happening, but they, they can probably tell me more than I'm expecting them to. Most adults probably can't recap the whole sermon after church is over. Um, So even when they're just saying, able to say one little thing from church, like the Holy Spirit is doing his thing and my job is just to provide the opportunity for the growth. So we're going to put you on the spot here. Okay. What this are some is not of, on the sheet. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's just going a little deeper. What do you guys do at home to nurture your kids' faith? You know, that has looked like so many different things, mostly because they're just so young and they're, you know, like we're just starting to get into kids who can read things by themselves a little bit. So that has looked like a bunch of different things. We have gone through phases where we have read like from a Bible every single night when they were littler and we were at home together. Lunchtime was typically when we found the most success of like talking about a Bible story or working through something together. Now that they are not at home for most of the day, we do a lot of stuff in the car is probably our primary time where we're kind of in one spot we pray on the way into school talk about what we're worried about or excited about for the day and make sure that we include God as a part of that conversation it's probably easier you have two at school that there's at least some kind of a commonality that they're close in age yeah with the younger one she's catching some of those things she's a wild card she's she's the wild card you know in in a couple years when she's able to read she'll be able to participate more but you you don't stop those conversations just because you've got one that's younger right? yeah no we don't you know she's just along for the ride we have a lot of there's just so many great resources that continue to keep coming out for kids um, as far as like books go especially so we have just a lot of books at our house that are books that teach a bible truth and Mackenzie's favorite one is a book series that the the three books all together talk about how god is all-knowing he is all-present and he is all-powerful and um, but it uses these great kid concepts so for all-knowing the theme of the book is does god know his ABCs and it's this great little book with these awesome illustrations and she will read that book over and over and over and over again and it actually works both ways because even though the book is more for her level it's one of her favorite books to read and so now like my middle Madison who's five she can like recite it from memory because it's got like a rhyme to it and we read it all the time and a big point in all of these books is it kind of introduces some questions like does God have to know his ABCs does he count to one two threes does he do homework and then it says no but here's a big truth and so they all know like the here's the big truth part of the book so it's cool to see that even though like sometimes our conversations tilt towards what's more helpful for our older kids when we are talking to our little littlest like everybody's in on that too and there's not there's not a bad way to learn about God you know (laughs) well and it's kind of cool if your older kids are able to read to your younger ones too we've seen that over the years that you know Jordy is four years younger than his sisters but they would always read to him and and you know they were sharing the faith as well as us so George kind of adding to that you know can you share a little bit because as your kids got older like your kids are older now right out of the house but as they got older, what are things you did, you know, cause maybe somebody's listening, they have, you know, teenagers or whatever, whatever may the case may be kind of you share that kind of as they progressed, got older, what were things you did at your home? Well, I kind of emphasize what Kyla and Adam are doing, having church as your rhythm. We go to church on 
on a weekend. Now, again, with our kids as they got older, there was a sports activity. It wasn't, are we going to church this weekend? It's, when are we going to church this weekend? That was a blessing that we had with St. Peter's. Now, sometimes we had to divide and conquer. That wasn't our plan. <laughs> Usually we wanted to worship together, but you know, there's times when I would come with one of the kids on Thursday night because they had tournament on the weekend, and Rachel would do the other thing, but it was just a part of our rhythm. So our kids never said, do we have to go to church? Because they knew we go to church. You know, I'm sure there was times they didn't want to be there. I won't say that my kids <laughs> were they're perfect. Humans? They're humans? Exactly, because <laughs> yeah. there's times with adults we know. But, like, it was our routine. We always tried to make time for meals, and I think that's a huge thing that you also mentioned, Kyle. Just, again, when your kids get into a huge, busy schedule and they hated it, sometimes the meal was breakfast. I don't want to go to This is our meal together today. And so that's when you have those chances that indirectly those conversations start and, and you can talk about God and how it applies to your day. But, you know, I think, again, and we've said this before, Dustin, those meaningful conversations, being ready for your kids. Sometimes you don't get anything out of church because you've got to talk to your kid about what, what's happening. Or sometimes you've got to stop what you want to do. You, get, you put down your phone or whatever so that you can spend that time in those meaningful conversations because you have to show your kid this is an important topic i'm taking time to talk about it you know and again looking back there was a thousand mistakes we made <laughs> you know you're learning parenting on the job right no matter how many books you yep. you read no matter how many pieces of advice you're still learning on the job because every day a child wakes up it's a different day <laughs> could be a different child some days so, so. yeah absolutely well kyle i'll throw it kind of back to you is you know as a parent, but also, you know, as part of the kids ministry team, if there's a parent who's desiring to have, you know, more spiritual conversations at home, talking about faith, what are some first steps that you would recommend? He's like, hey, here's kind of an easy first step just to kind of get the ball rolling. So there's kind of two answers I would have to that. The first one would be to download the Parent Q app. We have started talking about this a lot in kids ministry, and it is a great way to just start somewhere with your kids and faith. The thing that I love about the app, there's a bunch, there's a lot of content in there. There's a lot of resources. There are things that build on what we are working with kids on Sunday mornings if they're here at Quest. Um, But what I really love is that they have a section where it gives you four kind of prompts to have a spiritually faith-focused moment in your day. And they're literally labeled by the type of day you might be having. So if you have younger kids, it asks for your kid's birthday so it can customize the content. If you have younger kids, it's going to say like morning time, nap time, bedtime, and it'll just have a little one sentence like say this to your kid at bedtime or ask your kid this. Um, If you're older, instead of like the bedtime one or the snuggle time, I think is what it is, they swap that out for drive time because you're much more likely to be driving around. But I love that as a starting point because they are very approachable. It's not asking you to like explain the Trinity to your child at breakfast. That's not, it's really, really simple stuff. Like just say, you know, God loves you and he is with you today. And those I think are great starting points for any parent who's not used to like talking about faith regularly. Now could a grandparent get that too to have a way to start a discussion yeah. with oh, the yeah, kids? Oh yeah, absolutely. So uh, give us that name again. It's parents. Is it a po- parent Q C U E? So if you just type in parent Q C U E app, I don't know if you guys can. Do you have show notes? Do you link things well, in your I, show notes? Right, right now we don't, but we, we there's a few times when we thought we should. Uh, <laughs> parent Q. So Q is like you know what's the Q? Yeah, we're queuing you to. Right. Yeah, and is that that a free app? Is that a paid app? It's free. Yep, it's free. free. It's in any. App Store, Google Play, it's out there. All right, excellent. Mm-hmm. So that would be like the first one. The second thing I would say, if you want to start having spiritual conversations, like you yourself as a parent have to be 
engaging in God's word. So it is not, I want to totally acknowledge, it's not always an easy step to walk in the doors to Sunday morning Bible group, to walk into worship. There are so many things that the devil throws at us to keep us from feeling like that's a step that's tangible. But that's really the other big starting point is just putting yourself somewhere where people are spiritually engaging you in conversations because that will start hope that to be more of like a natural outpouring of your own conversation with your kids. I went to a conference one time and they said, let your kids catch you praying or let your kids catch you reading your Bible. You know, so many of us want to do it before the kids get up or, or after the kids go to bed, but then the kids don't see you in that discipline. And so their thing was make sure that when they get up, they've seen that you're reading your Bible, you're praying. Yeah. Yeah. I use that kind of thing a lot with my kids when we're having like tension where like I need to ask them for forgiveness or where I'm frustrated about something. I will pray out loud about what's going on and, and acknowledge like I'm feeling sad about this or I'm frustrated. Like I'm going to talk to God about this, but then I do it in front of them versus like stepping away somewhere else. Like you said, to do that at a different time. Mom's human too, you know? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, we need to ask you a couple questions before we run out of time. One of the things that when I was doing youth ministry, having kids maybe give me more compassionate to parents when they said, well, we can't make this. And you go, well, why can't you make my youth ministry activity? <laughs> you know, it's the most important thing in the world. But being a parent, it's like you have to juggle things. Has being a parent changed the way that you do ministry? Yes, sure has. What? All right. <laughs> Let me ask. How? How has? <laughs> Pushing you, George. Uh, you know, so I, up until last year when I started on kids ministry, I have done middle school ministry, high school ministry, young adult ministry, um, a lot of stuff with like social media and communications. And I had never formally worked in kids ministry, even though that's part of like the background of like what a director of Christian education is trained in. But what I said to Desiree when she was talking to me about this position. I said, you know, I've never formally worked in kids ministry, but I do kids ministry every day as a mom, you know, when this many years into like raising kids in the faith, um, it just gives you a boots on the ground perspective of what a kid is processing through and how they react to things. And also just a lot of sympathy for, and I guess maybe empathy for how hard it is to walk in the door with a whole bunch of small people and their feelings and to have gotten them into the door at 930 for a quest group so you can go to Bible study or to get in the door for worship. Like that's just huge. And so the value that I have for just parents and their willingness to like trust us with that time that they have probably fought for in some ways, that's substantial. You know, if I could just throw one piece of advice, and it's hearing you talk, little people, too many times we want to put our thought patterns on kids. I've seen way too many parents lecture a four-year-old. A four-year-old is not thinking logically. They're a little person, but they don't have grown-up emotions. They don't have the, the tools yet to fully process their emotions. That's one of the things we're helping them do as parents. So if you're sitting there trying to give them a lecture, all they're thinking about is that they're angry. And you need to let them say, well, how do you feel? Tell me what you're feeling now and help them process through. Now, what should we do with that feeling rather than saying, don't be angry? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've seen parents do that. And that's one of the things you have to be careful as a grandparent. You've got to give that advice gently to your kids as they're parenting their kids. Because, again, we're all learning on the job, right? Absolutely. So one of the last things we want to ask about, you know, kids men, you know, we, we've, we've thrown different, we're moving to the term, is it kids men, kid men, kid ministry, what's kids the official? Kids ministry, kids men, we're St. Peter's kids is like our formal thing, kids ministry, kid. Okay. 
Yep, I think that covers it. Any any version of any that. Any version thereof, <laughs> yeah. you get your choice, George, whatever you, you know, want, whatever you want. Here's the thing. Our ministry encompasses birth through sixth graders, which is a pretty wide range. And a sixth grader wouldn't love being called a child. But, you know, kid, we call our fourth through sixth grade, they're preteens technically. But, you know, so we're just trying to be sensitive to the language that makes people feel the most comfortable and welcomed. Okay. Is there anything that's coming up that you want to share here? We don't want this to be just an advertisement, but is there something that's exciting coming up that you would like people to know about or that you personally are like, I, I'm so jazzed about this. I really I want to just share this. Yeah. So one thing that's just ongoing that I love that we started at the beginning of the school year is that we restructured Sunday mornings to be a small group format for kids. So every group, every kid on Sunday mornings is in a small group of their peers. And then they have a small group leader who intentionally pours into that group of like five to six kids. And now that we're a few months into it, what's really cool to see is just how those relationships are growing and they're becoming like more comfortable with each other. So that's just, that's just really cool to see because it's like one of those things we've planned for a long time and then you launch it and you hope it goes well and it's just cool to see how God is blessing that. So I love that. Um, and then upcoming, we're hit, moving gears in our ministry towards Christmas, Advent. So um, something I'm excited about we've not done before, but we're going to offer Advent experience boxes for families. So they're going to be able to order those and that's something they can use in their home to continue faith conversations at their own pace. And then our big kind of community Christmas event coming up is Jingle Jam. So you said this is on Tuesday when this? This will drop next Tuesday. Okay, so Wednesday, the very next day, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, on the 25th is when you can register to come to Jingle Jam, which is going to be a super fun Christmas experience. In in case anybody's archiving this, October 25th of 2023. Yes, yes. All right. That's when you can That's register. That's when you can register, and the event is when? November 25th. So the Saturday after Thanksgiving, it's for the whole family. So if you have family in town, like bring grandma and grandpa, bring your aunt and uncle and cousin, find out if they're coming in advance so you can register them on October 25th. <laughs> now, is this the first time we've done Jingle Jam? It is, yeah. Last year we did something called Gingerbread Bash that uh, had like a gingerbread nativity making component to it. This year we're trying something new. It's called Jingle Jam. There's going to be... Games, a Christmas pirate, snow. A Christmas pirate. Well, that there, that's just, There's I'm going to come, ju- I'm <laughs> coming just to, just to see that. I can just imagine Santa saying, argh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to be the Christmas pirate, George. I don't know. I've been asked yet. <laughs> I don't know if I could to fulfill those shoes, you know. Anyhow, as you were talking about what the format is for that Sunday morning option for kids, it sounds like we're all getting more on board with the idea that a small group of people can nurture you the best. You know, whether there's a, a mentor, a leader, the youth groups use the term Sherpa, small group leaders, that that smaller group, you build friendships, you encourage each other, you have somebody that's walking alongside you. Yep. That's exciting. Dustin, anything to add here as we wrap up? Yeah, I mean, I think it just kind of ties into something I was going to bring up is, you know, there may be somebody listening that's like, well, I don't have kids in my home, but I think there's some takeaways from this conversation day, whether you have kids in the home or whether you don't. You know, one thing that Kyla brought up that I think is so important is that whether you're a parent or not, spending time in the Word and making sure that you're spiritually fed and you have those relationships, like George, you were just talking about being in community with people is so important. And so I think those are some of the takeaways and that we continue as, you know, we're in the 
this the middle of the sermon series, Faith in the Home, we find those opportunities, whoever our household is, maybe it's not even directly in our home, but other family or friends in our life, that we just find those ways to have those meaningful conversations, those spiritual conversations with people. George, was there anything to add to that in terms of like takeaways from for well, somebody I, like that? I think that you brought in a great point about family, you know. We're talking to Kyla with young children or family. I mentioned about our kids as they got older, but like your family is whoever you're with at that time. And so I think we all need to work on having spiritual conversations with whoever is part of that family. You know, some of you that have a family of one and talking to your dog about spiritual (laughs) things may not work. But when you're out with your friends, those are your family. How are you working in the things that are important to you? Sharing those things about faith and about how God has impacted your life. Absolutely. Well, Kyla, as we wrap up again, we just want to say thank you for taking the time to, to join us on the podcast and um, looking forward to all the exciting things happening uh, in kids' ministry. So, And we also, to our listeners, we look forward to continuing these discipleship discussions and talking about the 5 by 2 and hope that you uh, keep on listening. Now go out and serve God and others.